0: Hey, everybody, on this episode of the MacGyver After Show, we're breaking down season one, episode six, The Wrench. A lot of stuff happened this episode, but the most important is they say that peanut m and Kit Kats are the best Halloween candy. I disagree. Let's do this. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yeah, let's bring it in. Yeah, that hardcore MacGyver from the 80s. Hey everybody, welcome to the MacGyver After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Frank Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. Uh, my co-host, my partner in crime, Mike Kalinowski, he's once again on assignment. This is his last week on assignment though, so he'll be back in the studio next Sunday. Oh my uh, I cannot wait to uh, share the panel with him again. <laughs> but I thank all of you here that have been sticking around with me for th- this week at our fifth week of breaking down this season's MacGyver episodes. They're just you and I and the, you and me in the chat and me on the mic such a great team we've made so uh even though mike i'll be happy to have mike back you guys have made this past five weeks incredibly enjoyable so thank you so much and speaking of uh, being able to communicate and get in touch and share your feedback about the show you can like us on facebook so uh, give us those five stars on itunes subscribe to the youtube channel as well as hop in the chat so if i hop in the chat and we'll start breaking down this episode share your thoughts about the series in general or this episode in particular uh, as i mentioned uh, you know, there's gonna be a point where we're gonna be talking about Halloween candy, guys. So, uh, and I'll be uh, finding out what your favorite Halloween candy are. You can chime in when we get to a little bit about that point in the episode. I'll just say what this, uh, what they said in this episode, uh, I disagree. Not my top one choice But uh, we're breaking down here Oh, hey, look at that uh, Oh, we got, uh, I got T. Lindsay Hey, hi, Frank, how are you? Hey, hi, hey, everybody Good evening uh, Yes, uh, we're breaking down episode six, The Wrench And we start off somewhere in Eastern Europe About a half mile away from an exfil point And a really cool start inside the episode Is that we see Jack Riley and Mac They're trapped in a, in a vehicle And it's being bur- buried underground uh, basically whoever they had, the bad henchman guy that was chasing them uh, they crashed they kind of ran into a ditch and so that guy hopped onto like a, a like a bulldozer and just started burying them underneath mounds and mounds of dirt really cool way to get into this and just from the teases from last week it made it seem like that this was going to be uh, pretty much the climax of the entire episode and really cool that this uh this show just said it nope you know what uh, our show so awesome that we can just do this as just a little cold open to our show, and we've got a lot more good stuff to show you for the for the rest of the time. So really cool how they just use this for just like a little, uh, little teaser to kind of get you ready for the rest of the episode. So they're basically stuck underground, and you realize you only have about maybe 15 minutes of oxygen less if everybody starts yelling and debating about who is responsible for getting us trapped in this ditch. Uh, basically, as usual, they're uh, somewhere in Middle Easter, uh, Eastern Europe trying to get some computer device away from some kind of ruthless dictator. So the uh, the, the details aren't important. Uh, the only thing that is important is that they are trapped underground in a vehicle and quickly running out of oxygen. Uh, but Mac gets in the front uh, and uses the airbags to uh, create an explosion. And he knows that they're powerful enough that if you direct them in the right way, that they can shatter even heavily reinforced bulletproof glass. So really cool way to get them out of this. I uh, never thought about using airbags in such a way. But detonates it against the, uh, the, the glass of the vehicle. It blows a hole through the wind, windshield, also through uh, the, the top of the dirt mount, and they're able to get out. Uh, I do like the way that Jack leaves it, where uh, he says, oh, wait, uh, I could kiss you. And uh, <laughs> Mac just says, you know what? Knowing that is, is good enough. That's all I need. So that kicks us into this episode. And as usual, uh, seems like the the, the 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 standard is after we do the uh, the nice little cold open, we get the, the credits, and then we always end up back in L.A. We're always coming in just as they're uh, getting back from some kind of adventure abroad. And as usual, we get uh, my least favorite part of every episode of this version of MacGyver. Sorry, sorry to say, if you are a Bowser fan, you know that's great. Uh, he's just not my cup of tea. I just still don't understand what he's doing for this show but uh jack comes back over to mac's place and he's uh, got some coffee uh, getting ready to talk to everybody and of course halloween's coming up so a bunch of pumpkins laid out a mask as well and we find out that Bowser wants uh the rest of the crew meaning jack mac and riley to go with him to a halloween party and if they do that you know they're gonna have to wear these cool masks and he wants to do president's masks so uh, if everybody goes, I get to wear a cool president's mask that Bozer made. So, you know, you know, for me, heck, I would, uh, if somebody's going to willing to go through that time to make a, a mask and I would do like a custom mold of my head and then kind of use that as a way to transform it into a, a president's head, make me my own kind of custom fit mask. All right, I'll do it. So for that, for that reason, Bozer, uh, that moment, pretty cool, good dude. But still, I don't understand what, what the point of this is now, uh, Here's also where uh, Bozen and I disagree is because uh, he says that peanut m and Kit Kats top everyone's list for candy. I heartily disagree. For me, I am a Milk Duds guy. I'm just saying that right now I could uh, – those little boxes of Milk Duds, those are just candy gold. You get those from somebody, that is somebody that said, like, you know what? I am a person of discerning taste. I'm going to give you something that's so fantastic, this little cube, and inside there are four – Hopefully four, sometimes occasionally three, which is always always a disappointment. But four, this delicious little caramel-coated, uh, uh, caramel nuggets enrobed. Let's do it enrobed. Why don't you use that weird, really weird and uncomfortable word, enrobed in milk chocolate. They are del- fantastic. So number one, far and away, there you go, uh, Milk Duds. If somebody doesn't give you Milk Duds, you know, it, you can walk away thinking a little less of them. Not to say that peanut M&Ms and Kit Kats aren't fine. They're fine, but they're not the favorite. They're not. They don't top my personal list. Uh, you know, you, you got to put Milk Duds is a far away, distant first over everybody. I would actually go uh, Reese's Pieces number two. That would be a pretty good one for that. But sorry, uh, uh, Pinot ms Kit Kats. Come on, Bozer. I always see why we're not hanging out that much. Uh, now, while Mac and Jack are over at, at Mac's place talking with Bozer, uh, we uh, find out that. Uh, uh, Thornton is kind of uh, taking advantage of what uh, Jack and Mac talked about last episode, which is starting to give Riley some field training so that she's going to be prepared for when she is in the field and able to kind of take care of herself. So we see Thornton and her sparring. And not sure how long this training has been going on, but enough that uh, they uh, they feel like that uh, Riley can kind of somewhat uh, get the idea of what Thornton's trying to get to, to give her. Uh, And she actually does manage to throw Thornton down. And the idea is that even though Riley's starting to get it, it's not enough just to get it. You need to be able to do it just second nature. It's got to just come completely uh, off the cuff without any thought uh, and be able to execute it perfectly. So uh, before they continue any further, though, uh, Thornton gets a call from the FBI and uh, calls in Mac. And we find out that uh, Thornton asks Mac, do you know Charlie, uh, Charlie Robinson? And he uh, says that Charlie Robinson was one of the best bomb techs that Mac had ever worked with. And we found out that Charlie needs to see Mac and only Mac. Because the feds in New York, they found and disabled a bomb in a parking garage at the United Nations. And Charlie came in from Quantico and went to examine it. And he took one look at it, and he called headquarters requesting Mac. So he's the only person that Mac, uh, that he trusts to take a look at this device. So Mac is wheels up and he heads to New York. Uh, so it gets to New York and, uh, we find that, the, that this, he touches base with Charlie and says, like, why do you want me here for this, Charlie? And Charlie breaks down that the explosive compound is pure Pettin, uh, which is made from heart medication itself, which I had never heard of this as a uh, vehicle for an incendiary device, but sure enough it is. And they realized that only one person could do this. And they're not quite mentioning uh, who this person is yet by name, kind of being cryptic, almost like they don't want to really believe that this person could possibly be the one behind this bomb. Uh, but they also know that this person doesn't usually operate on U.S. soil so uh charlie says he knows and he hopes he's wrong but he wants to have mac there to double check this just to make sure so they start taking apart the device and all of a sudden they can, as they're cutting away part of it they find a secondary device and it's a 3d printed polymer it's which is invisible to x-rays so it was basically a bomb within a bomb as mac opens up that 3d polymer uh, plastic case there it starts a, a, a mini bomb inside there with a three minute countdown uh so basically mac they're all uh, he and charlie are wearing bomb-proof suits or uh, bomb not bomb proof no, <laughs> no suit would be bomb proof but uh uh they're bomb suits on and uh, mac takes the top of it off and wraps it around the uh, the bomb and they head out the building and figure they've got three minutes to figure out some way to do this to kind of do uh, hopefully minimize or at least prevent any sort of casualties. And as it was kind of interesting, where Mac starts breaking down uh, the three different type of uh, uh, factors when it comes to bombs. There's detonation velocity, detonation pressure, pressure, and then a French word which I I rewound and tried to try to understand. Uh, I couldn't figure out exactly what the French word was, but basically it is French for shatter capability. And we find out that uh, Petin, if you're using this uh, as the, uh, the the core of your incendiary device. It's going to be a big and fast explosion. And so Mac knows he needs to direct that explosion somewhere else. Otherwise, it's going to hurt a lot of people. So what he does, is he sees a manhole cover. Uh, he places that, uh, that bomb still wrapped up in the top part of the bomb suit and then covers it with a uh, garbage, ca- uh, uh, huge, one of those uh, dumpsters, garbage dumpsters. Turns it over, covers it with that, and then takes the lid. Uh, and has that kind of uh, laying down next to it uh, from the top which is you know, still connected like any dumpster always has a lid connected to the top and he drives a car on top of that lid to help kind of keep reinforcing and keep that uh, garbage dumpster down over the explosion and when the bomb goes off it ends up being directed down through the uh, the subway tunnels or excuse me the sewer tunnels underneath the UN building and detonates safely there without destroying anybody uh, or killing any anybody there's no casualties so McGuire very quick thinking. Uh, Charlie realizes that if the bomb the bomb would have killed everyone in the building if it had gone off as originally intended. Uh, and they feel like that was the idea. It was a bomb within a bomb, but the idea, idea was to get all these experts into this building and then have it go off and knocking out a lot of people in one bell swoop. So they realize that this kind of work is definitely the signature uh, of the ghost. I feel like the ghost is on American soil, which is... Uh, according to us, I mean, it seems like uh, really kind of crazy and, and creepy. I feel like that this mysterious ghost is all of a sudden now operating in U.S. soil. Uh, you know, and so um, uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, in an exciting moment like that, uh, you're probably wondering, like, man, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, save people. Uh, with a three minute countdown on a bomb uh, you're often wonder, like man I hope I do not soil myself because uh, just the, the scariness of trying to uh, one disarm a bomb but if you can't disarm a bomb, bomb find some place where you can stash it where no one is going to get hurt uh, you're running with a three minute countdown on that uh, and trying to keep all your wits about you while you're trying to save everybody else you know my undies uh without make it through clean but uh you know if we're talking about undies for a second why don't you picture a world where putting on a new pair of underwear isn't just fresh you're, you're stepping into a better day which mac in this episode after all dealing with all these explosive de- explosive devices definitely needs uh, a better day so why don't I get some new undies now think about it underwear is the first thing that you put on and the last thing you take off now why would you sell for anything less than the best feeling underwear on the planet Uh, You know, MeUndies focus solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. My friends at MeUndies sent me a few pairs a while back, and you know what? I can't imagine wearing anything else. It really makes each day that much better. Uh, It certainly makes breaking down. I mean, I'm just watching Mac disarm bombs, but I feel very comfortable with that. So uh, Uh, MeUndies kept me feeling very comfortable. Uh, and I could only <laughs> empathize, empathize empathize with Mac. I don't have to worry about you know anything happening with me. Uh, but now, for the right price, uh, for the price of two cocktails, Amandis will deliver your new favorite pair of underwear right to your doorstep. <laughs> it's a better day guaranteed. Look at that. You don't have to go out and find a better day. It comes right to your doorstep. Try the on, Try the miner If you aren't the most comfortable, best feeling panties you've ever had, they'll refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. Now, included in the price is a sweet touch of model, uh, uh, a special fabric made with. Uh, best-in-class raw materials that are scientifically proven proven to be three times softer than cotton. Not a bad deal. These uber-cozy undies are sold exclusively on the MeUndies website, where you'll enjoy free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. And for a limited time, everyone here on the uh, in my audience, the, the MacGyver After Show here on Afterbus TV, gets 20% off their first order. But you have to go to our special URL, MeUndies.com slash Comfort. That's right, slash comfort. With the MeUndies Better Day Guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to com slash comfort right now for 20% off your first order. That's com slash comfort. Now, speaking of comfortable, uh, sadly, our crew is not feeling very comfortable right now because the ghost is on U.S. soil. Uh, And as we're looking around the bomb site, uh, Max notices some shards of glass and picks them up and looks at them and Uh, Charlie figures out that the glass that Mac found was from a camera. And they also found parts of a SIM card that were all in the bomb. So clearly somebody is watching Mac and Charlie as they're trying to disarm this bomb. Uh, So... Uh, basically Mac is talking to Jack and Riley and realizing they're going to come from L.A. to New York because they're not going to let Mac work on this case alone. So when Riley gets out there, even though they only have parts of a SIM card, Riley's able to use enough information to be able to kind of start figuring out a way to kind of track this SIM card back to its source. And I do like that because as they're uh, driving into New York, they – riley is basically breaking down how she's going to use this uh, parts of the sim card to kind of uh recreate uh, a signal that they can trace to the source and she's just breaking down all the technical things that she's going to be doing and why she's doing it and jack just says hey riley who are you talking to uh i do like that riley says i thought you were talking to you guys but clearly you guys haven't been listening so uh i guess i guess i'm just talking to myself so uh, Jack, though, noticed that Mac is just kind of distracted, kind of looking off, and he mentions to Mac that he hasn't seen him like this since they first met, uh, and right away, Mac is already doing his little thing where he's popping up with a paperclip and he's already doing something different, uh, which, you know, I guess is another go-to for every episode. We're going to see Mac making some kind of weird sculpture out of a paperclip, which... Uh, it kind of made sense where, yeah, if he was always walking into Thornton's office and they're kind of getting debriefed about what this next mission was going to do, that there would always be, you know, just like a, you know, like a little bowl or a cup full of clips that Thornton would be doing paperwork and whatnot. But interesting to see that no matter wh- where Matt goes, he's always got a paperclip with him because he never knows when he's going to have to just bust it open and make a, uh, some kind of weird paperclip sculpture that's kind of based on the mission at hand. Uh, so... We find out, though, that as Mac starts working away on what whatever he's going to be turning that paperclip into, uh, Mac never told Jack about the story, about what the ghost did to him, why he is such a, uh, a, a, a vendetta to go get the ghost. And Mac says, you know what? I'm going to hold on to that story for a little while. I don't want to really share that yet. And uh, Jack is just, hey, and hey, uh, Mac. You know, Riley and I were here for you. So when you're ready to open up, we're here to listen. And they get to the location. We find out that Max' little paperclip sculpture is uh, almost like a like an old school cartoony type bomb, like uh, hitting uh, a water, or maybe it's like the the explosion is starting to hit us. It's kind of making contact with a surface, uh, and then he just leaves it on the dashboard of the vehicle. So it's like, all right. Thanks. Uh, I, there's just this paperclip of a bomb hitting something, and now it's just laying on the dashboard of this vehicle. Okay. Uh, uh, so they, they they get up to where they think uh, the, uh, the the door of the apartment is that they think the ghost is inside, but realizing, of course, the ghost, you know, smart, smart guy, is probably not going to you know, leave this just open for anybody to get into, so they want to check to make sure there aren't any wires. And really cool that Mac does a little thing where he takes some chewing gum, cell phone, pops open uh, the casing of the cell phone, and gets the digital camera outside of it. And uh, using gums, able to then uh, take part of the cord out, uh, use gum to kind of give it a surface that it can slide on, and then slides it underneath the door and is able to kind of look underneath and see what's happening. They realize there aren't any wires on the door, but they see that there's somebody sitting in the room. They're back to the camera. They realize this could be the ghost. So Jack goes to kick down the door, and it doesn't break. He uh, tries to kick it one more time, and he goes, "Man, this door is not breaking." We find out that it's a reinforced door. So Jack and Mac kick it together, and they finally get the door open. But that delay of trying to kick open a reinforced door uh, gives enough time for the ghost to get out and escape before they can make their way into the apartment. Uh, so they look around and they realize that uh, there's a couple. Uh, there's a laptop, and there's also a video screen. And uh, certainly, the ghost has been watching some of the feed from the peace talks that are happening at the UN. Uh, feeling that's the whole reason that the ghost is there is that he wants to disrupt these talks. He also sees on the computer that the video of Mac trying to disarm that bomb that the ghost had planted earlier. Uh, he's watching it from the point of view of inside the bomb, looking at Mac doing that. And so realizing, yep, this is the right place. This is the ghost. Uh, you know, this is the guy. And the laptop that the video is on starts smoking. And Mac realizes the smell and it's plastique inside the keyboard there. Realize that this bomb is going to, this computer is going to detonate. But Riley realizes that, you know, this hard drive is probably our only way of getting any intel on um, the go. So I I need to be able to transfer this data onto my computer. So starts transferring it and realizes, you know, we we gotta get as much as we can before this bomb detonates. And they feel, they realize they got about a minute before everything blows up. So they run out of the building and Jack is Jack is ready to go. He's ready to just to leave the laptop behind because he doesn't want to die in Queens. He's really big. No, I don't want to I don't want to die in Queens. But Riley realizes no, we need the intel on this. So Matt carries both laptops on as they're connected by a cord where it's doing the data transfer. And they get outside, and Jack stops a garbage truck. Uh, Mac says, hey, stop that truck. So Jack stops it. Mac goes over as Jack's t- talking with the uh, the garbage truck driver and gets some gas from the vehicle, comes over and uh, pours gas on top of the plastic. And uh, Riley's like, what are you doing? Why are you adding gas to a potential explosive device? And uh, Mac says that uh, the gas on top of the plastic should dissolve the compound enough that he's able to get the detonator out before anything uh, detonates. And it works. Which uh, I I do like that Max says, you know, I wasn't sure it was going to work, but it did. And Riley realizing, like, you know what, I've been hanging out with this guy, but how many times does he actually say that he's not sure that something's going to work and he still goes goes ahead and does it anyway? And I like Jack's response where it's like, you know what, Uh, I I learned to stop worrying about that a long time ago. We just got to, you know, that's just part of the deal. Just got to go with it. So they uh, were able to, to save enough of the laptop to do the data transfer. And as Riley goes through it, uh, they're looking at the ghost files, and he has basically 10 years of video files, almost like a video resume of all the, the bombs that he's worked on. He's always attached some sort of camera, whether on the bomb or near the bomb, to be able to record all this that happens when these bombs detonate. And Mac realizes, wait, 10 years? And he starts going back. Uh, he goes, I just need a second. And he starts looking through the files, and he finds one. And uh, they're back up in the ghost department that he was using when they when they come across this. And Mac says, you know what? I need to watch this video that's on here the, from this file alone. So Jack clears everybody out and Mac goes and watches it. And it flashes us back to five years ago when he was in Afghanistan. Uh, Afghanistan, excuse me. And uh, we see that his CO had been killed. But this now leads up to a little bit before what led to that incident. And uh, we see that uh, they were getting a lot of calls about different bombs being located everywhere. And... Mac, uh, they have the robotic device, which is kind of, you know, that goes in and kind of surveys for them. But it's not working at the moment. They need to do a couple repairs on it. So uh, rather than wait for that, for Mac to be able to fix it, the CEO, uh, Alfredo Pena, says, you know what? Uh, we've got so many calls going on today. I'm just going to go in and check on this real quick. I'll be back. So he walks in, and then it cuts, uh, it cuts to um, Mac watching it from the inside, which we can tell from Mac's face, first time he's ever seeing it because you're seeing it from inside the structure, which – Knowing that the c o is already dead, uh, realizing that you know, he does not he's not gonna walk out of this building alive, uh, he walks into the building and steps on a pressure plate and immediately cuts the wire uh you know he's not really stressed at all about this, I guess you know the, being in Afghanistan dealing with bombs on the bomb squad come across pressure plates before, so he bends down and disconnects it and then stands back up and says, "Let's Mac know, hey I disconnected the pressure plate and his last words are where he looks up and realizes hey, wait is that a camera?" And then the whole place blows up. Uh, and Mac is understandably uh, brought to tears about this because we find out as he's disarming the plate that he's talking to Mac, Mac and appreciating, letting Mac know how much he appreciates Mac filling in for him for three weeks to let him go back home and see the birth of his daughter. And he's wondering like, wow, what's it going to be like to have a daughter in my life? I think I'm going to get turned into a big old softie. Uh, and then sadly that we know that that's not going to happen now because the bomb goes off and uh, 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 Alfredo Pena doesn't make it out of their intact. Uh, and so Max really taken aback by this because it's this the first time that he ever heard this part of the conversation, because uh, originally when Alfredo walked into the building, uh, the radios, uh, uh, they lost contact went on the fritz. And so he never heard what he was saying while he was inside the building. So to hear all this, it just uh, already makes just, uh, you know, a regretful situation uh, hurt just a little bit more. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, Pena's got a wife and daughter, and Mac has never visited them. I really regrets never never staying in touch with them. And Jack can sympathize because, of course, Jack has been in, in the service as well and realized, like, it's one thing to, you know, serve with people. But when you come back, you realize you don't really see each other that often because it can bring up. Uh, too many bad memories. Just as may, It could equally be just as nice to be able to connect with people, but also it could bring up all the bare, terrible things that happened while you were serving together uh, that you had to go through. And so for some people, they just, rather than have the potential of that happening, they just kind of keep their distance from the people that Probably they're the closest two in their lives. I mean, you kind of, you know, kept you, know, you trusted each other with your very lives in really intense situations. But once that's done, you don't kind of want that reminder. You want to try to just forget those parts of your life as much as possible and kind of settle into some kind of semblance of normalcy. Uh, and basically, Max says, you know, this is an old wound that's not going to get closed until he finds a ghost and puts him away. So Jack, which I love, always got his back. Uh, always had Max back and says, all right, well, let's go get this guy. And Riley comes up and realizes, hey, guess what? You know, it wasn't just all these video files, but he also kept financial records on this laptop as well. And uh, the ghost used a shell company. And this shell company not only paid for the rent for this apartment, but it also paid for a warehouse in Queens. And they drive over to this warehouse in Queens. And Max says, all right, hold on. I'm going to be the first one in. You guys can follow after me. And just as they take a step away from the, the their truck, the warehouse explodes. Huge explosion. Basically slams all three of them back against the truck. Uh, and so then, uh, we come to Thornton arriving on the site. You know, it's a little bit time later. They've got some, uh, got the bomb squad. They got some uh, fire department, police Thornton shows up as well. Uh, Mac and Jack and Riley are inside the building and they found a body and they feel like the blast trauma, uh, is so severe that it's going to be well before they can get a positive ID, but they feel like that it was the ghost and Charlie's there with, along with Mac and Jack and Jack is noticing a smell in the air and he's wondering, why does it smell like bleach? And Charlie explains that it's acetone peroxide. It, uh, basically, it's a, a, uh, a medium that used it for uh, explosive devices, and it's more gas than burn. So uh, it's a, that, they call it the mother of Satan. It's a really dangerous chemical uh, compound for any, anybody to use, especially even for experts, because one wrong move and it can glow, go up in a very big explosive manner. Now, Charlie think that it was a ghost. He kind of got bit by his own kind of uh, bit by the bomb that he's trying to build for the UN. And uh, Mac think that, uh, Mac doesn't buy it. He thinks the ghost is too smart to fall for something like this, that even though this is a very volatile compound to use as part of an explosive device, the ghost is no dummy. Uh, and so Mac doesn't believe that he's going to fall for something this easily. Uh, and then we basically see, uh, as he's saying that, he flashes back to when he first met uh, Pena back at EOD training six years ago, basically a year before he was in Afghanistan. And he's talking with Pena, and he's basically on the training ground, and he's uh, working with the bomb, thinking that he's defused it. Uh, and he gets back, and uh, Pena says, you know what? The bomb went off. Didn't make it. And Mac is is mad because he feels like, you know what? I disarmed this bomb. It was done. I don't understand how it could go off. And they say, you were so... Uh, you were in such a rush you didn't bother to step back and look at the big picture and it was a radio it was a remote controlled radio controlled detonation RF signal that if uh, Mac was so concerned about the actual wires and stuff on on the bomb that if you just take him over and use an RF jammer the bomb would have been stopped and everybody would have been saved. Uh, so Penny is really trying to stress on Mac is that you, you got to step back and look at the bigger picture and he asks Mac what is the first rule and Mac says identify what can kill you now and what can kill you later. And Pena asks, what can kill you now? Max says, the bomb. Uh, and Pena corrects him. And he says, no, it's getting emotional about the bomb. And it, it continues that you have feelings about the bomb, but you know what? The bomb has zero feelings about you. So you've got to try to distance yourself from any kind of attachment like that so that you can operate in as calm a manner as possible. and Be able to look at the big picture and not get distracted by these minute details and so mac realizes that this is all a distraction and he want uh, the ghost wants all of them to think that he's dead so that way they they call off the intensive search and then he's able to go back to his what his original mission was is to go and bomb the UN and stop these peace talks from continuing so actually you know nobody really buys it uh, he's like and with thornton riley jack even charlie they're like I don't know. I mean, this looks, we have a body right here. We, you know, we have all his, his travel, uh, we have his passports. We have things like this, that it shows that he was ready to go and take off before all this happened. And that takes a little bit of convincing. And the one person that first comes over to Mac's side is Jack. And he says, are you sure on this? And Jack's, uh, Mac says, you know, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. So that's good enough for Jack. We, and good enough for Riley. So they take off in pursuit of Mac. And I like a moment where Thornton stops and, and asks Charlie, has he always been like this? And Charlie even says, what, uh, uh, a man who's trusted his gut? Yeah. And then Charlie and Thornton are uh, right there after him. Uh, so they get to the UN, and they're trying to figure out, well, all right, we don't know exactly what the ghost looks like, uh, but so how are we going to be able to figure out where he is amongst all these people, all these all various points of entrance into the building? And... Uh, so Max says, hey, you know, we need a, a, a bigger view, uh, like a, an eye in the sky type view of this. So he asks Riley to pull up some cameras from above so they can look at everything around the building. And they notice on one of the back parts of the building, there are two vehicles that are pulling out. And Mac realizes that's redundant. There shouldn't be two vehicles. You only need one for that. So that's where the ghost is going to be making his move. So they head over to that part of the building, and they see a man kind of coming down over by a police truck. And Max tells Jack, like, keep an eye on that cop. And as the cop gets into the truck, he kind of looks back, makes eye contact with Jack and Mac, and then realizes, you know, that's a ghost. That is the guy. So they bust off in pursuit, and they get to the truck. They open up the door, and you can kind of tell that clearly this is not going to be a good thing because the ghost is standing in, still inside by by the front part of the truck, uh, and leaving. So basically, the cabin is empty. Uh, but standing there, just kind of looking back to kind of like make sure, hey, you guys are following me in here, right? Right, right. And Jack continues into the cabin of the truck and steps on a pressure plate. You can hear like the click. Uh, and then the ghost takes off, gets a car and uh, drives off. And Thornton, you know, wants to get an APV out on that vehicle. But Mac is all about do not move. You are standing on a pressure plate. So whatever you do, you got to keep your feet where they are. Uh, and Jack is uh, freaking out about this. So. Ghost makes this escape and Mac realizes, all right, I'm not going anywhere until we make sure that you are safe with this bomb. Uh, and it's like, you know, I got to wonder how that it would be if you're standing on a pressure plate. Like if somebody tells you, all right, you're standing on a pressure plate, do not move. And I feel like standing is not, it shouldn't be at least in your mind. You're like, what's so hard about that? Just stand still, don't move. But also knowing that Gosh, I'm trying to think of the times I've stood in line at the supermarket or I'm in line for a ride or just at the movie theater or whatever, that you can't help but fidget, Uh, you know, especially if you're not going anywhere. The line is long. You've been standing in the same place for, you know, 10-15 minutes you know gosh imagine standing there for like an hour or two Uh, but you can't help but just fidget you just kind of just naturally just kind of shift your weight you kind of look around you kind of pace back and forth even if it's a small little circle you know maybe just you know step one or two steps in either direction just just kind of the natural way that uh, you just kind of kill time when you're just supposed to be in a you know still position so I could see how you know it'd be so hard to when you start thinking about it, like, all right, I have to stay still. I have to stay still. I have to stay still. Oh wait, oh gosh, my leg, my leg, my leg, my, my feet are getting sweaty. I, should I move them? I don't know. So I can understand I would be. It sounds easy to stand still on a pressure plate, but I could see if you're actually the one standing on that, and your life's counting on it. It might be all of a sudden a million reasons start coming into your head about why it's impossible for you to stand still on that pressure plate for any length of time. Uh, so, so, uh, Mac tells Jack, hey, do not move. I'm going to go look around this vehicle, try to locate where the bomb is. And Jack has a confession to Thornton and says, you know what? I got to be honest. I got a confession. I am starting to lose it right now. Understandably so. So you're standing on a pressure plate, which could potentially kill you at any moment. You know, this could be your last moments alive. I could see why you'd start to lose it. That's no way somebody wants to go out. And so Thornton starts trying to calm him down. You got to think of a a place in your life, a time in your life where uh, you were relaxed and calm and start just focusing on that little moment. And Jack kind of dials into a point in his life where he felt like that. And that was back in 2010 where he was in Peru and he had to Skype in for his fantasy football league draft. And he had, a great gra- he had a great draft, you guys. He had a really great draft. I mean, you know, he basically, uh, it was like, almost like one of the snake drafts. So when you're at a round, you not only get like the last pick of that round, but then you get the first pick of the next round. So what a great deal. <laughs> I like to think that uh, that this draft has been, was so good and so sweet that for six years, it is stuck in Jack's head. Like this is one of my crowning jewels of just pure awesomeness. Uh, that, that, that even six years later is one of the first things that pops into his head is a moment of calm. Awesomeness in his life it is really cool. And even right. like, great. I'm glad your pretend football league brought you like any sort of peace. Oh, Hey, let's see it. Uh, we got that. We got the chat pack up here. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, Boo sixty nine, hey, Boo sixty nine, good to see you. Jack would be uh, uh, rich for every dollar he would get when Mac wasn't sure that things would do. Uh, uh, wasn't sure the things he does would work. Yeah, going back to a little bit earlier, there with the uh, the gas on the uh, the plastique, and it was heartbreaking to see Mac watch the video. Yeah, that was very true. It was Mac uh, really had a strong connection there with uh, Pena. And uh, we were that Jack was going to die from the bomb from the truck. I No, there's no way Jack is not going to die. You don't have Georgie's on a show and you're going to kill him off like that. No way. Uh, especially given that everybody was still standing. <laughs> I mean, this is a pressure plate, but Thornton and Riley were still right there. You know, they weren't going anywhere. So I realized that Jack wasn't going to be in any danger. Uh, any, uh, you know, any true life to anyone It's going to just add tension to the scene, but no way was Jack going to go now with everybody still in proximity to him. Uh, So Jack, uh, Mac surveys the, uh, the, the truck and opens up a side panel and sees all the explosive inside there and gets back to Thornton and says, I found it. And there's enough explosives on this truck to take out a whole city block. So now that Mac knows what the bomb is, he sees, all right, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to disarm the wires on the pressure plate. And he starts getting ready to cut the red and the green wire underneath uh, Jack's feet. And just as he's about to do that, he starts flashing back to, uh, to Pena and, uh, he uh, says like, oh, you know what? Um, uh, you know, it's a opinion saying, hey, see things for what they really are and not what they appear to be. That flashes back in my mind. And he realizes, oh, wait a second. This whole time, the ghost has been playing us. He's always been doing uh, plans within plans, bombs within bombs. Uh, even with uh, um, Pena back in Afghanistan five years prior there was, even though he disarmed a pressure plate, there was another bomb in the building. And he realizes, you know, with the pressure plate, that's like the obvious. That's the one that, that suckers you into disarming it and not realizing there's a secondary bomb in there. And he kind of looks around in the cabin of the the police truck and he notices a vent. And he asks Jack, without moving, just move very, you know, just shift your weight a little, shift your legs and your feet a little bit, but don't take your feet off this pressure plate. Unscrew that vent. Uh, and, and a little tense moment is, you know, Jack, you know, drops one of the, the screws onto the ground. Uh, but he opens up the vent and realizes that there's a second bomb in there and it's connected to the first. So if you snip off the wires for the pressure plate without deactivating the, um, the, 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 the rod that's inside the, uh, the bolt that's inside for the vent bomb, the vent bomb's going to go off regardless. So now they realize this is getting a little bit more challenging. So you got to get that, that you got to disarm the vent bomb and then you can disarm the pressure plate. Uh, so uh, Jack, of course, is too nervous to be able to unscrew this, uh, you know, the, the, the bolt from the, uh, the vent bomb. And so Mac realizes that. He's like, Jack's too nervous. He's, you know, understandably so. You're standing at a pressure plate that could kill you at any moment if you shift your weight in the wrong way. So he says, all right, you know, you, you are too nervous and too jittery to be able to twist this bolt out. So you know what? I'm going to be your hands. So he, uh, he looks around, uh, finds like uh, a wheel off of a, a hot dog cart, uh, finds some uh, police tape finds, uh, of course, some masking tape and some scotch tape, uh, his uh, Swiss army knife and fashions a way that, uh, uh, Mac will be Jack's hands. Uh, asks Mac as, uh, Mac gives Jack some uh, masking tape, has him wrap it around the bolt, and then he's going to place the, the, uh, the Swiss army knife there, uh, kind of almost like a, uh, like almost like a, a pair of pliers around the bolt and then he uh, basically sets up like a pulley system there with the uh, the the police tape kind of rigged out almost like a rope there. And it, uh, it's going to be on different pulleys, kind of leads through some of the holes and hoops in like cab uh, drawers and stuff in the police truck. Outside using the wheel from the, uh, the hot dog cart is kind of like a little pulley as well. And Max going to basically start pulling on that rope to start using his screwdriver, uh, the Swiss Army knife, to act as a, uh, a plier and start unscrewing the bolt from his connection inside the, uh, the vent bomb so he starts doing that uh, and it pops out and realizing that Jack is safe but of course Jack's like alright that's good it's all done and Max has gotta just race up to the police truck and say yeah I do not move until I cut these wires and uh, snips the wires off and all is good Uh, interesting uh, the way they ended because it really wasn't any big confrontation with the ghost whatsoever he sets up uh, Jack to step on this pressure plate but then gets away and that's the last that we see for the ghost for this episode so really cool that we know that the ghost is out there Uh, he knows that Mac and Jack are after them Uh, Mac and Jack have an idea of what this guy looks like now so they actually have visual confirmation of the ghost which is something that nobody's ever had before so I'd be curious to see where this goes and later on in the season but uh, with Jack safely uh, away from the, the pressure plate and the bomb, they the mission for right now is done. They don't get the complete win because they don't get the ghost, but everybody gets home safely and they stop uh, the bomb from going off and let the peace talks continue. So uh, they head back to L.A., and uh, Bozer is basically setting up everybody with masks. Uh, which president are they going to be? And uh, Riley's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. And, and uh, Bozer's like, you know what, you can be any president you want. And I do like Riley's choice that she wanted to be Morgan Freeman from Deep Impact. What a nice pull. Like, hey, Morgan Freeman was president. He was president in Deep Impact. That counts. If we could be any president, you didn't say it had to be a real president. It could also be a fictional one as well. So looks like uh, uh, Riley's going to be going as a sweet Morgan Freeman. Uh, And Bozer asks Jack, well, it takes a long time to be able to uh, pour the molds for these masks and get everything done properly. So when's Matt going to be back? And Jack lets him know like, Hey, he'll be back soon. He just had to make one stop. And that stop is to go see the wife and daughter of Pena his old CEO. And basically walks up, hugs the wife and then sits down and talks to the daughter, fixed the wings on her uh, little angel doll. And then offers us to have some tea with her there at her little, uh, little table and tell her some stories about her father. And what a great guy he was. One of the bravest men that Mac has ever known. Uh, And so as Mac ends the episode, it's uh, the ghost may have gotten away, but right now is a time to heal. So it's a time for Mac to kind of uh, let those old old wounds heal up a little bit and uh, help uh, a young little girl get to know her father just a little bit better. Better. So, uh, Boo sixty nine. There we go. Do you think the ghost is going to come back by the end of the season? I would guarantee that we're going to see the ghost at least one more time this season. I feel like uh, you're not going to set a character up like this, that this early in the season, if you're not going to get a chance to kind of go up against him again. And I have a feeling you could even do if I don't say one, maybe two more times this season, one more time to kind of see like, man, he still kind of got away from us. And then uh, maybe a final confrontation before the season's out where they finally get a chance to catch him. I do I, this has, he has the potential to be a reoccurring villain, so I could see them going up one more time. The ghost getting away, uh, second time where they capture him, uh, but he's still still alive, so he's still incarcerated. And then he could come back, second season, getting out of jail, and then going up against uh, Mac and the team again. So I don't think you know we haven't seen the last of the ghost. I'm predicting two more two more encounters this season. I mean, uh, I'm going to say maybe one. Eh, Maybe one like uh, early, early next year. I mean, like January, February, and then another one as it gets uh, as we're winding down towards the end of the season. I feel like he could really tie in towards uh, as we're rushing towards the season finale of Mac, kind of having some of a little of his uh, elements from earlier the season coming back to haunt him, so to speak. So I feel like two more, two more encounters with the ghost around the table. Uh, and Boo also says it was nice that Mac fixed the little girl's angel doll. That was a sweet scene. Yeah, I did like that. Uh, But it was also interesting there like uh, she didn't want to have anything to do with Mac was just going to like not even look at him uh, until he got that angel fixed. uh, And then he's like, all right, you know what, I will, will, I'll introduce myself. I'll tell you what my name is. uh, And we can have a little chat. But I did like how she did uh, perk up as Mac uh, told her that her father was one of the bravest men he ever knew. Would you like to hear some stories about him? And it was really cool to see the little girl like perk up as imagine, Like any girl that's never had a chance to uh, meet her father, seen pictures, heard stories from her mom, but to, to know somebody to come uh, a friend of your father's to come and visit and, and tell you that he's one of the bravest men you ever know, he ever knew and tell you stories about him. How can uh, some little girl not smile about that? Get a chance to hear some really cool dad stories. So uh yeah so as we uh, as we wrap up this episode I uh, you know it was it was nice we're getting getting close to November sweeps I mean that's next week is we're getting into November that's one of the sweeps months which means I think we're going to hear back from uh, we're gonna get Nikki a little bit more movement on that storyline and figure out a little bit more about the organization that she works for. I've been talking about that for the last several weeks as one prediction of mine, and I'm sticking with it. So, Nikki, Nikki for November, one of these weeks leading up to, I'm gonna say uh, certainly before Thanksgiving, uh, we're gonna see Nikki on canvas again and learn more about this organization. That is my prediction. And Thank now, you, Juliet, in the your booth. After Buzz TV. I just kind of rolled in predictions. I didn't even make an announcement, so thank you, Julia, for giving us that music right there. Uh, so that's my one prediction. And then, uh, as Boo Sixty Nine asked, I'm going to say we'll see the ghost probably two more times this season. And we still the other the other big thing we have in the air is Max Dad. Are we going to see any more more any more movement on that front? And I also think we're going to see more movement on that. We're going to get uh, some kind of response from Max' letter sometime later this season. I think at this point, since it hasn't been kind of brought up again. I could see it not happening until sometime early next year, maybe February uh, or so, that we'll get some kind of a revisit on this letter from Mac's dad. And then, you know, maybe see maybe him, maybe at least allude to him, uh, setting and getting him meeting Mac uh, leading up to the season finale. Uh, so that either we, if we don't meet him this season, it's led up to such a point that he could be in jeopardy uh, as part of the season finale so uh, we don't actually get a chance to meet him this season but it's set up that yes we're going to go see his dad and that's you know then they get a chance over the the summer to cast some actor as MacGyver's dad and that's somebody we can meet early in season two. Fingers crossed that he gets a second season pickup. That's always seems like a good moment when you have some kind of rich character in somebody's uh, past to be able to set them up in the first season, use the summer to do a lot of good uh, great casting to find a really good actor for that role. Some sort of like, you know, some, a relatively good name that's going to get you excited like, hey, that's a really cool idea that this person is X's father. And then uh, introduce them in the second season. So, uh, Boo's got a prediction. Uh, I predict that Bozer either finds out what Mac actually does or moves out. I'm, uh, as you know, uh, no ill will against Bozer, but I feel like, you know, it's <laughs> Bozer's time to move out. I still <laughs> these scenes of his just really don't do anything. They just they just don't add anything, nothing that I because I think the idea is like that show some of kind of like humorous kind of moment. That's not in a life threatening situation. And I don't think you need Bozer as the facilitator of scenes like that. You could still get those scenes of just Mac, Jack and Riley or any combination of those three hanging out at either Mac's place or someplace in Los Angeles, like a bar or a club or a restaurant or, you know, someplace like a park, anywhere. Uh, just them hanging out, having a, a fun moment. And you don't need Bozer there as a, as the kind of driving force of setting up those scenes. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Boo. I think Bozer should move out. I, I'm curious if he'd actually do that this season. I have a feeling the show gets a second season. I don't think Bozer's coming back for a second season. I, I think he's going to just, I think production has got to realize it's just kind of a chore to always try to find a reason to have Bozer as part of the plot. So why don't we just move him out and uh, uh, just focus a little bit more on Thornton, Mac, Jack, and Riley. And also another one I think in the season finale That Mac's dad will show up In the final scene As a cliffhanger That's a good call too We could do It, it could be one of those Where we may not see the, His face We could see him from the back Where we All of a sudden We see like a door open And then we hear Mac As he looks at Cameron and He goes dad And then it fades to black And so we don't know Who the actor is And they still give him A chance to Cast somebody over the summer For then season two As we come in And we find out Who the actor is That's playing Mac's dad So I could see that boo I still think that uh, yeah, if, if the dad shows up, we will not see his face, so that uh, production has a little more time to figure out who exactly they want to play Mac's Dad. Uh, so, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the MacGyver After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Folks, thanks so much for sticking with me here for these past five weeks as I've done this solo. I didn't want to just like not do the show because I love the show too much and I love all of you so much as well for doing this with me. So uh, folks, uh, as always, you can like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And as always, thanks so much for hopping in the chat for these past five weeks. It's been great to break down these these episodes with you. Boo 69, thank you for being such a a vocal chatter. It was great uh, bouncing stuff back and forth with you during the course of these last five weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the MacGyver After Show here on AfterBuzz TV with my co-host, Mike Kalinowski, in, the, uh, in my co partner seat. We'll see you then. Take care. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network.